Welcome to episode 1151 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I am Justin Mason, riding without Jason Collette, who is attempting to take down Eno Saris and all the other competitors at AL Labor. And so I had to bring in a pitch hitter. I had to bring in a sleeper of my own. That's John Legeza of The Athletic. John, how you doing, my friend? Yes, this is so cool. <laughs> Man, <laughs> what is up, Mr. Mason? I am so jacked up. This, this is like the best time of the year, right? The anticipation all the work that we've been doing with all the new faces coming into it and with the spring training games and how we react to it, this is just what we live for, right? Yeah, I mean, it is the best time of year. Uh, this is my last free weekend before, like, I have the Barf League, then I have Tout Wars, and I have Vegas. Like, it's, and I think a lot of people, they may not be going, traveling all over the country for drafts, but everybody is getting ready for whatever their home league is uh, and their most important drafts of the year. So, uh, I I can't wait. Like I just I'm so excited. Am I going to see you out in Tower Wars? Is the question. No, unfortunately, you uh. are not. Um, it, which is it's funny because this is your last free weekend because you'll be drafting. This is my last free weekend because I have to spend it with the family before I go underground for quite literally like six months in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, the handicapping game is crazy. Uh, we live for the all-star break. Like I don't watch the all-star game. We go away for those three days and then I go back in the hole until the season. Now we're incorporating football. So like these last weekends, I kind of dedicate to the fam. We might even be in Disney and stuff like that. So I just try, I, I really wish I could. And maybe I could sneak out after everyone goes to bed. And you know me, man, I always have one antenna up, but it might be really tough if we're in Florida. You know? All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get together at some point. Yes. Let me remind oh, everybody where you can reach on social media and then talk about everything that you do in the industry. Oh, man. Thank you so much. So I'm at John Legaza, J-O-H-N-L-A-G-H-E-Z-Z-A, like Justin mentioned. So lovely in his intro. I'm writing for The Athletic. We just kicked that back off. We're doing primers. So I did a pitching primer and a hitting primer. Again, not everybody is a degenerate and been drafting 50-round leagues for the past three months. Some people are just getting into it. So I'm doing the landscape of somebody that's done a ton of the leg work already with my hand in the dirt. So that's at The Athletic, and that stuff's really cool. And because I've been working on this stuff for so long, and, man, I do so much work. I really wanted to start to log it. Justin, it becomes a little frustrating, you know, kind of arguing on Twitter all the time. And realizing that you lose a lot of that stuff, right? The the river kind of comes and washes it away. So – you know, I hooked up with Sharpener, their new rankings company, and we got together and I said, hey, man, let's do it. And so I'm doing a top 625, but there's also room for player write-up. So, of course, I like to over-deliver because you know, I hate to ask for cash, man. And I think I did. So I ranked – it's over 625, but I called it 625 because it rhymes with the word live, and it's 999 one time. And, man, now I got the, the player write-ups. I, I'm well over 100 – and it's got to be over thirty-five or 40,000 words that I'm adding every single day. And, of course, you know, shifting with injuries and stuff like that. And you can hit me up for a CSV and a downloadable sheet. So it's been really great. The feedback's been really great. But more importantly than anything, for all the talking and deep diving we do, you and I were talking about this beforehand. Sometimes we come up with these really cool, nuanced arguments. And mm-hmm. if you don't write it down, you just lose it. And I've been finding – that I'm going and researching my own players because there's this cool little player search bar. You put the player you want to look in, and it takes you right to my, let's call it two, three hundred words or so, depending on the player. But it's my best argument for or against. And a lot of times I present them both, and it's up to you, the reader, to kind of pull the trigger. But you know, man, I love all the granular stuff. And that that stuff, it's just impossible to remember. When we're talking about X slugs and 
inches of vertical move change and stuff. You, you have to write it down. So this is my first time ever doing rankings again, something I mentioned to you, man. You've, you know, man, you've been a kind of a lodestar for me, right? I've kind of emulated myself after you. And I'm, I, you know, with good reason, I think people gravitate you for all the best reasons. And man, you've covered how you do rankings over the years. And it is a lot harder than you think, just way harder than you think. Because again, it's a, it's a living, breathing organism. And the one pebble in the pond creates such a ripple effect that you're not moving one player when Gavin Lux gets hurt. You end up moving 35 players. So hat tip to you and for platforming me today and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's what I'm up to. And if you're really into all the kind of nerdy stuff, I think that's where my stuff's at. We'll definitely go get John's rankings. You said they're $10. Where can they get them? Follow me on Twitter. That's where the best is. That's Sharpener. But, like, it's hard because there's another. It's like sharpener.me.slash-dashboard. So go to the Bird app. That's your best chance. You know, I streamline everything through Twitter. You'll never miss anything I'm doing if you go through Twitter. I think I like to have at least one kind of bloodline. So, yeah, thanks so much. And I, I hope you'll enjoy it. I'm even taking, like, requests at this point. If there's players that you wanted to read up, someone was looking for a detailed write-up on Nick Lodolo, and 90 minutes later, that bad boy was out. And now I have a defined position on him and it feels right. really great tell, tell me your defined position because i'm not in on the hype train that uh, in the same way that other people are on nick lodolo i'm a little worried about the high whip and the lack of wins in cincinnati which is like two of the four pitching categories for starting pitchers are, are you a nick lodolo buyer no unfortunately and it's because of all the steel arguments that you just made yeah. now i would like to say that from a like a diagnostic standpoint, like from a pure pitching filth standpoint, I think he's a lot better than I thought. And yeah. it's because of those reasons, you know, not because I didn't think he was good. It's because, Justin, I get afraid of falling in love with these guys in these terrible environments. R.E. colon Herman Marquez, mm -hmm. right? We've been there. It hurts. And I'm tired of making the XFIP argument and the, the fastball argument and making excuses why my pitcher was not able to greater than sign the hitting environment. So, dude, the dolo is so filthy, and I get it. Where I found it comes down to, again, is the environment. And I was actually talking to Draft Cheat on Twitter. Again, follow me on Twitter. I try and interact with as many different people as I can because I, I don't look for people to agree with me. He doesn't see... Cincinnati as the whip threat that I do, or maybe you do, but it was top five in batting average and BABIP, not to mention home runs per fly ball and home run per barrel. So even as BABIP, it's a bottom five BABIP park, right? You know what I'm saying? Depending on how you mm -hmm. look at it. It's bad news for him. And I tweeted this yesterday. I don't want to dig, but I, I go close. Lodolo pulled off the reverse split, which everybody kind of knows about this point, right? Plus five ERA on the road, sub three ERA at home. He had a 346 Babbitt at home last year. All right, so that was – you already kind of got it. Mm -hmm. And we're lucky enough that those results, you know, went sideways. You know, didn't go sideways, you say. So I don't know, man. You, you have to you have to calculate all the Cincinnati stuff. And that just tips the scale for me because the quality of guys going right there. I mean, George Kirby's going right there. Lance Lynn is yeah. going right there. Severino is going right there. You know, I just rather have those guys that don't have 50% of their games that come with this, like, you know, death nail hanging over you or whatever. Yeah. And all those guys are on teams that are going to win games, which is like a big thing. Like, I mean, 
I, I know we I know wins are unpredictable. You're gonna have seasons like the Cliff Lee season, the Felix Hernandez season, or the Matt Caden seasons where like you know they were fantastic, but you know, they didn't get wins. But we can predict a little bit that hey, guys on good teams are gonna win games, guys on bad teams are not gonna win games. So and Cincinnati, bad team. And like just to me, I, I can't go into a draft with my like SP3 potentially being a guy who isn't going to deliver on two of the you know four categories for starters. But we're not here to talk about starters today. Where we what we are here to do is we're going to talk some spring training news uh kind of briefly and then we're going to talk about UT only players, right? We do all these position previews and often we forget to hey, we also need to talk about the guys who don't have a position. Who are position lists. Uh so we're going to go through that list uh fairly quickly uh as well. Uh, let's start with kind of the big news, which was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has knee inflammation. He's pulled out of the WBC. Are you worried about this? Are you dropping him in your ranks? No. Uh, where I have Vladimir ranks teaser is I'm not getting him anyway where I have him. No. Yeah, I, again, we have kind of been down that road. I like Alonzo better than I like Vlad. I like Austin Riley better than I like Vlad. Again, I do my all my own stuff. I totally ignore probably everything, maybe to my own detriment, but we'll find out. But I'm, I'm not worried about Vlad, and I don't think he's bad. I think he's all awesome. right. Again, I think we should always be clear. Something you made clear when you talk about your rankings. Making somebody the 11th best hitter on the planet should not be like a slight on him. You know, he's he's ridiculously good at baseball. But no, I'm not really worried because the um, the initial imaging seems to have come back clean. And sometimes, I wish I had tweeted about this because I was talking about this with a friend. You get a lot of ghost injuries right before the WBC. And, oh, man, this guy really wanted to play. Oh, man. And he just can't play now. You know, oh. Again, I think he's fine. Not where like uh, Alvarez, you know, Jordan Alvarez. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. more worried about him having gotten the rest that we wanted him to get and having it bothered him without playing. I I can't I can't think of a single injury where playing baseball every day helps, right? Yeah, especially so when it's yeah. yeah, I I'm fine. I, I Flat is fine. Like I'm not super worried about that at all. I agree. On top of what you just mentioned, in terms of guys who you know are you know, probably being talked to about their team, like, hey, we don't want to risk you in the WBC. Uh, you know, we're trying to we're trying to win a championship here. Uh, I, I also think we spend all offseason kind of in the dark. Like, we get very, very little news. And so, you know, it's almost like it's almost like sensory deprivation, right? You haven't heard anything for so long, and then any news comes out, and it's screaming in your ears – and people overreact to it. Dude, that's a fantastic uh, analogy. You know, yeah. I mean, I just think you're 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 setting yourself up for failure if there isn't some sort of like concrete tom timetable. Tyler Glasnow, we know Tyler Glasnow is going to miss six to eight weeks, right? He's not he's not going to be on a mound for that time. You take him off your board or push him way down your board or whatever you're going to do with them. But a guy like Vlad, like I, I have just very few fears that he's not going to be ready for opening day. Um, unless we see something that says, you know, something different, I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna overreact to news, uh, about a guy maybe dealing with, oh, hey, he's got a little bit of knee soreness. Oh, he, you know, he was scratched today because his lower back spasmed like it did for Will Myers the other day. Like, I'm just, I'm not gonna overreact to this guy, these kind of news items. Yeah. I have found doing so hasn't really only gotten me in trouble, you know, not to make this all about me, but. 
I know people do kind of wonder about how we improve our game or how we mm-hmm. go about our stuff. And one of the big, one of my big failings is just out. I thought that's where you were going to go with it. We spend months kind of doing analysis and I just throw it away. And again, the sensory deprivation, maybe that's why it, it spoke to me so much. I think I I've stepped on that rake before, you know, even for like velocity, things that I know matter, the gun question, the gun question, the player Madison Bumgarner comes to mind. I think it was two years ago. Right, he came to camp and lit up the gun, and all of a sudden, I'm drafting a guy I had no interest, like zero interest in, and that's that's not how you do it. So this year, I'm, I'm not saying I'm ignoring it to be like so I could marry my priors, but we put the work in, and don't, right, don't overreact. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's just, I mean same thing like the first couple weeks of the season, right? Like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Glaber Torres starts off like 0 for 15, and people are like, "Well, it's time to drop it." No, you you spent six months. Like, you know, unless there is something actionable, right? What are we looking for in spring training? We're looking at velocity. We're looking at walks. We're looking at strikeouts. We're looking at mechanics changes, whether it's a hitter, you know, hitter mechanics or pitcher mechanics, um, you know, pitch mix changes, things like that. But like you spend, you know, I, I know you and I both start super early in our draft prep for the upcoming season. Like you don't throw out the entire baby with the bathwater just because a dude tweaked his hamstring or something. Yeah. Well, Zach Wheeler last year, another perfect example. He had the shoulder pinge. Mm-hmm. I had him, if people remember, he was my SP1 overall. You know, that was kind of my flag. And I ended up with no, I had no Zach Wheeler at all. Even like underdog tournaments and best ball stuff where I want him totally because of the spikes. Nope. Because I let that one thing kind of scare me off. And once uh, once you shift those rankings, especially up top, like that's kind of what I mentioned with Vlad. All you have to do to not get Vlad is make him number eleven. Yeah. Right? You make Vlad number thirteen, you're never going to get him. And it kind of, you know, you kind of right. I, in fact, I know I've heard you talk about this again in your own experience. Like that's how you, that's how you deal with guys. Like that's how you deal with guys. You just kind of shuffle them down a little bit so they're represented in your rankings, and people know. Like a guy like that to shift me is Ozzy Albies. You know, I'm not taking him anywhere. I don't know where to put him because I don't want him anywhere. But you can't leave him out. You can't make him the 400th yeah. player, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, if I start ranking Byron Buxton at, you know, 175, right. it's not taking right. him off Perfect. my board, but it's taking him off my board. Like, right. you know, but at least he's still represented there. So uh, James Paxton, he has a grade one hamstring strain. I was watching this live when he was kidding. No. <clears throat> yeah. I and I believe was... it. Somebody called Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, you know, like it, it didn't seem like much when it happened. So, I mean, it is a grade one, so kind of a low grade. It seems unlikely he's going to be ready for a starting role now uh, to build himself up for opening day. Are you buying in on Tanner Houck or Brian Bayo as the potential replacement? How interested would you be in one of them? Okay, well, I, I kind of liked all of that kind of chunk of Boston pitching because I feel – they're being underrated for the talent level with the ability to work their way in. And again, I mean, James Paxton throws pitch, gets hurt. Breaking news. Like nobody is surprised, you know, zero people surprised. So the names you mentioned on the notes, I read it. We saw Bayo is on there and Hauk. The thing is, I don't think it'll be Bayo yet, right? The big yet because of the forearm thing. I think mm-hmm. they know what they have in him. They have other arms. I don't think you'll see him up front. And as much as I like to draft him, I worry sometimes we may not see him till like the end of May or June. Although I think when you get him, he's going to be awesome. And he could push his way up. 
but you have to keep that in mind. You mentioned how who I've had trouble with because of them. You know, I basically I've had trouble with Boston's usage on both sides of the ball for the past couple of years. You know, and again, that's not even a subtle, you know, Dalback mentioned. Just across the board, they they refuse to kind of find out what they have in guys. They jerk them around. They don't play. Then they replace them or something. It's just I, I've been down on Boston because I think Hauk should have been getting stretched out and throwing six innings for us like 18 months ago. And now what he's not ready, I, we, I don't know. I actually think it might be Cutter with a K, Crawford. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, he the, he keeps coming up for me. I think he's the only player I have 100% rostership of wow um and well part of it is always the price but he pops up in a very very elite list of fastballs we're talking about justin verlander and jacob de grom and hunter green like quite literally we're talking about fastball shape now connor crawford doesn't quite have the velocity though it's 95 right so it's not a it's not a negative but it's not the 98 that those other guys throw but keep in mind if, if Carter Crawford were to show up with a one-and-a-half-mile-an-hour velocity boost, he has Hunter Green's fastball. And I, I don't think people realize that. 95 miles an hour, better than 2,400 RPMs, which is plus-plus. 11.4 inches of vertical move, that is plus-plus. Right? Remember, people, we want that number lower. That's a number we want lower. That's the sink, right? So it's the amount of vertical movement all against gravity. We try and use the lower number because what we described – Right, a rising fastball, no fastballs rise. They just sink less in the field. So pairs it with double-digit onside run. So there are very, 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 very few pitchers. We're talking a, a literal handful have that rise with that amount of tail in the company. So give me Carter Crawford. He may get any he, he started last year, so he may be high. And I think Ross canceled in as the fifth. So that's where I'd be going is Cutter with the K Crawford, expecting that price to kind of start to rocket up, to be honest. You squeeze that one out of me. Yeah, I, I like that call. Uh, I just got to put it out there. My guy with most roster ownership, our boy TJ Friedel. Yes. we Oh, man, he had a little ding up, but I think he's okay. And I yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, he's totally Dude, fine. Dude, my phone exploded. Oh, mine did too. Yeah. Like, I, I all <laughs> of a sudden, I'm getting te text messages and phone calls. And, um, like, yeah, it was, uh, I was, I was going to be very, very upset if, uh, that hit by pitch ended up. I get so upset when people dog on him. I mean, it's the track record of OBP and the environment. Oh, we can do it another time, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I, people are so take locked on, like, for some reason, he has to be bad. There's some, he, he's, he must be bad. Track record of contact and a plate approach. He plays great defense. He's shown you pop with speed. He was like the best player in the league for a seven-day span last week, uh, last year. Whatever, whatever. The, the take lock on Twitter sometimes is just too much. <laughs> uh, Nick Gordon has sprained his ankle. Um, it, it didn't – this is another one I was watching live when it happened. It didn't look that bad, but this is one of those injuries because of his profile that might take a little bit of time. Are you kind of taking him off your boards? Are they now waiver wire fodder? No, I don't think he's draftable. I saw I saw a high ankle sprain. Yeah. So you got that's like six weeks plus some rehab and stuff. I mean, you know, you're he's you're well into the season for a guy that I, I like Nick Gordon. I thought with his versatility, he'd play five or six out of seven games. But to not be a seven game week player with that kind of injury 
on the shelf, I think you have to move forward from Gordon. I, I keep him circled. You know, right? If he's kind of beating expectations on recovery and your team is playing well and you have that luxury, he's a guy I really like because there's some stuff on the board there for him that's really, really strong. You know, very hard to put up the, the X log up near 500. And he's, I don't know. I don't know. He had, he had some power stats that kind of popped, you know, the near 10% power rate, better than 45% hard hit. That late with a guy kind of with the needle pointing up. But yeah, with that injury, I think I'm letting go. Yeah, this is one of Jason's guys. I mean, I think it's probably his most rostered player so far this year. So a uh, bummer for him, uh, unfortunately. He is a guy you kind of put on your watch list now, though, once he is, you know, maybe on a rehab assignment or like that, you pick up. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of uh, depth because they do not have as much depth in that infield. Jorge Polanco, I mean, depth on the team, really. Jorge Polanco hasn't played. Uh, I don't think Byron Buxton's played yet. I don't think Alex Kirilov's played yet. This is a roster. You know, Donovan Solano may be facing quite a large role to start the season in Minnesota. So just kind of keep an eye on guys like Gordon when he comes back off of the IL because uh, this Minnesota's uh, team's depth is got a lot to be desired. Um, all right, Brendan Rodgers might be done for the season. He's getting a second opinion after hurting his shoulder um, obviously you're not drafting him, but like, is this finally the end of Brendan Rogers, like hype train? Cause it always feels like, like people like really like wish cast him in, in him into being a thing. Yeah. People just love, well, it's a course thing, but yeah, him also, he had the shine and again, you know, you see there's glimpses of a positive hit tool, but yeah, I was never into Rogers. I got to steal another one from Dr. Dave where you kind of hate when these guys go down. And, I mean, I don't like when anybody gets hurt. I really want every team to play at full strength. I would turn injuries off if I could. But, I mean, seeing guys go down for the season that you had no interest in drafting kind of stinks because you never know if the public's next target, you know, could be your own. And, right, that ripple effect I mentioned before. So, yeah, it's kind of stinks because I, I wanted to hang around long enough for people to draft them at least. Yeah, see, this is bullshit for me because – uh, Paul and I had a board bet. It was a first board bet of the season. It was over under 21 and a half home runs for Brendan right. Rogers with a minimum of 500 plate appearances. Uh, he's not going to get the 500 plate appearances. So I was going to win that board bet. And now, uh, Paul weasels his way out or snakes his way okay, out. Hold on. Did you long... see this? I don't yeah. know if it's breaking. Oh, <laughs> dude, this is the most Rockies move ever. In fact, if I asked you what the most Rockies move ever could have been. Oh, they signed Jose Iglesias. Mike Moustakis, close. Ooh, I like that. I mean, okay. he could be, right? And now everybody's going to go nuts for Mike Moustakis because are we going to get 38 home run power those weeks when he's in Colorado? I don't know. But I'm more meant in the term of taking like the old and the broken yeah. and blocking the young and the fresh. It's just so, they are just, they are a parody of themselves, really a parody of themselves. Anybody. Oh man. I, I, I hate being this arrogant dude. I think you and I would add like six wins to that team being added to the organization with something to say. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think we would hurt the organization by any oh stretch gosh. of imagination. Stop it. Stunning, uh, and again, he'll probably dunk on me, but we've seen whatever, man. Even if you get decent guys in Colorado, we've seen it. And I've had to knock down guys like uh, CJ Cron in my rankings because, yeah, you get it, but the downside to the away splits with the threat of getting traded almost makes these guys unrosterable because we don't know what we're going to get when they're not in Colorado. 
Now, now I've got to add him to my. I, I'm in the 46th round of a DC. I literally just made a pick. Yes! I would have taken uh, Mike Mustakis there. So uh, I'm hoping now. I've got to hope. Yeah, he makes I it think back to for me. me <laughs> for me, now I have a top 626 apparently because there was no way Mike Mustakis was sniffing that mm-hmm. was sniffing that list, man. But of, right off the bat, you have to consider him. I don't. I don't think he goes in a 30 round standard fab. But he's certainly a draft and hold target now. And it's all like the ADP is kind of up to you because, right, you know, ADP now, it's not the window. It's whatever we make it. Well, I mean, I think you can, like, maybe even use him as the last pick of a 15-team, you know, you know, regular fab league because he's first and third base eligible. He's going to be hitting Colorado. You got to think he's going to be hitting high up in that lineup, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you you kind of look at what the Rockies have going. You know, roster resource prior to this had Jonathan Diaz, Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, CJ Cron, and then Ryan McMahon. But after that, it's Sean Bouchard. Who is Sean Bouchard? Nolan Jones, who can't hit. Don't know who they are. Oh man, it happens every year. Happens. Yeah. How does that happen? How does that happen? My wife laughs at me when that happens. It's uh, we every once in a while we'll play a game here on the podcast where I ask congressman, I don't yeah, 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 reliever versus reliever versus congressman. I know and the amount of people we get uh wrong on that one. Uh, we're, de- we're definitely gonna have to play that one with, with Sean Bouchard, but uh, I mean, he he's gonna be hitting, yeah, exactly. He's gonna, he's gonna potentially be hitting you know fifth or sixth in this lineup, um, playing they? every day, and like in Colorado, we saw what he was able to do. In Cincinnati, when healthy, um, you know, Dude, if he's March. healthy, yeah. Why are they this bad? It's March. It's yeah. not August where, you know, man, a really rough season of injuries battered your team and left you with Mike Mustakas. There's three weeks to go, and this was the answer. I mean, this is like, it's about practice at the top of these things. I've actually heard from people, I don't know, I can't really verify because it it's through the grapevine, but they are people I, I definitely trust, that the Rockies are like a subjective hiring firm. You know, they hire good people they think are good people and keep them whether or not they're good at baseball because they're good people. But it's like, man, I don't want to knock that. As I say it out loud, I guess I sound really cold, but can we keep that for the back lot people or something? Or like there's concession? Like we need good baseball players, I think. We should make that a priority in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, Jose Miranda has some uh, shoulder soreness. He has not been able to play the field uh, there is no real timetable yet for that. Just another twin having issues. Are you dropping Jose Miranda? He's in the lineup today, so I want to say no. Okay. I just is he, is he playing the field or is he I deep? don't think so. So, it's, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't that big on him anyway, and he's another one. A, a slight drop for him, he's off the table for me. There, There's yeah. a couple – I already had my worries, although every time you pluck a twin, he's moving up in the order, mm-hmm. and you have to add – 26 plate appearances or something you know what i'm saying so i don't want to make him like a not viable player i didn't mean to make it sound like that if i did but i'm not really on miranda there's there's just flaws and and if he's gonna be banged up uh, yeah i don't know i think the problem with miranda being banged up has a lot more to do with the rest of the twins being banged up and constantly banged up because they like to use that dh spot to give guys days off and if they have to then stick Miranda in that DH spot because he can't play the field, that's going to be a problem for them. They've got Alex Kirilov, who probably can't play the field either because he gets injured too easily. <laughs> they want to give Byron Buxton days off. Uh, I mean, there's other guys, you know, Hori Polanco, if and when he's healthy, 
they're going to want to give him days at DH. Like I, if he's not playing the field, I, I can't draft him. Like I just, at this point, he's kind of on my, you know, I, when I, when I print out my ranks for a draft, I will like have a little red highlighter that like X's out guys that are just not going to end up on my team uh, because of injury concerns. And he's, he's got red highlighter written all over him right now. Yeah. He had, he's got the big pull percentage. So that was like the one thing that had my nose like up in the air doing a Pepe Le Pew thing, but he doesn't lift it in the, it, it's it's not pull power in the air. And though you could split this stuff on fan graphs, hopefully in the near future, hopefully we get it where like that's a little more available on the split page. Like the split, mm-hmm. the pull ground balls versus the split fly balls. Because again, the pull percentage is really high, but he pulled, I think, 66 fly balls, which for his plate appearances is not bad. But he didn't really do damage on them. I think he had yeah. 11 or 12 home runs. Like that's not good enough. Um, I have it here, 13 home runs. 13 home runs and and only 11 doubles, which, again, is not good. That's not good enough. So if you're not going to convert those into home runs, more than, you know, whatever that total, 24, whatever it was, has to be extra base hits. So there's just there's just stuff missing because I've heard people keep quoting the pull, the pull, the pull. The balls he's pulling around the ground, he's pulling low. So, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. Yeah. Really. For for me, it was like I th- I think I haven't projected for like low twenties home runs in a full season's worth of paid appearances, which is fine because I think it's going to come with a decent average because he makes a lot of zone contact. But like it's not like I- I'm not like going overboard on Jose Miranda. He just hasn't ended up on a lot of my teams because other guys going behind him that I like more. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, last piece of news item is Nate Evaldi. He's got he's had some side tightness. This is one like I mean, welcome to the world of being a fan of Nathan Eovaldi because he comes into camp, people are completely off of him in drafts. He starts pumping real heat yeah. on the guns. People get excited. He's hurt. People now hitting the brakes. Next week it'll be something else. Uh, I stay away from these kind of kind of up and down and kind of players. Uh, he's super buried in my ranks. Uh, where are you at on Nathan Uvaldi now? Yeah, he was already teetering. He was already one of those guys I was trying to hide because I know the per inning stuff is really good, right? He's a Bloomboard legend for a reason. But in particular, because we're in draft champion season, draft and hold season, you don't want to wed this guy for the entire year. You really want an IL spot for a guy like Uvaldi. So, yeah, come head-to-head drafts. You know, if he hasn't pitched yet and he's still falling, a guy like him is a great stash. When you get him, you want him, but you can't wed yourself to this guy. And for NFPC shallow bench, right, slash shallow bench, he becomes almost impossible because you just – now how long is he going to be out? Some obliques are not a big deal. DeGrom seems to be back on track. Some obliques are, you know, ruinous for seasons slash careers. So, yeah, I think you got to get away from Yavaldi and maybe just play the dip, but, again, I want an IL spot. Yeah, me as well. All right, let's uh, let's move on to our main topic, which is UT only players. Uh, you and I kind of briefly chatted before the start of the podcast, and you know, realized we don't give these guys enough shine uh, when we're talking podcasts or articles and things like that. We kind of forget about them, uh, and I think part of the problem is has to do with that first guy, right? The first guy is Shohei Otani, who is UT only eligible as a hitter, right? He's got pitcher eligibility in a lot of formats. But when we're talking about him as a hitter, when you draft Shohei Otani, like I did in the first round of TGFBI, you know you're not getting the rest of this list. 
So the question right. becomes, are you drafting Shohei Otani, uh, the hitter? Yeah, I'm just drafting Shohei Otani, period, if I can. And that's part of the growth that I, I've had to experience losing, you know, in high stakes, in the high stakes arena, not understanding how to deploy him or what his versatility means. Again, in in any format, uh, draft champions included, right? You don't know. It's a total war of attrition. So to be able to slot in, oh, guys, it's. It, I think the thing that gets undersold, and I heard my boy Venancio saying this with Fish the other day, that I think Otani the pitcher is being misunderstood. How ridiculously good he is. He is ridiculously good. This guy is com- constantly improving. Constantly, constantly, constantly improving. And that's the key. So Shohei Otani, check it out. He ran right now. So this is last year. He had three separate pitches that have a 38% whiff rate or better. I mean, this is absurd. And now that, which I love, hat tip to Savant and all those uh, people over there, including the sweeper now, which again, we, we know when it's been out there, it's diagnostically different enough to separate. So now we know that Otani has been featuring the sweeper. Check it out. I don't know, Justin, you're into my triple slash. I, I, I'm into individual pitches, but I want to be brief. So I've been using usage X slug with rate to just quickly it's deployment contact quality. But remember X slug also implies damage, right? Where XBA is just whether or not it will land X slug describes extra base hits to a, to a, a certain extent and then whiff rate, right? How much you're getting. So I've had really great success with this as a shorthand. So check out the triple slash on the sweeper. So this is now the featured pitch 37% usage. A 293 X slug with a 38% whiff rate. This is wow. one of the best pitches in the league by a guy who also, you know, can hit 40 bombs and steal 50 bags while he's hitting 270. I will never, ever, ever live down being on air on VSAN and all over the place saying that I thought Otani was the MVP over Aaron Judge. Of course, I'm from New York. I'm a tremendous Yankee fan. Aaron Judge autograph, hanging sign in my son's nursery, which is pinstripe. And I still thought what Otani is is so magnificent, right? It's so ridiculous. It just can't be described. But I thought he was the MVP. So, yes, draft Otani. He's just absurd what he does, Justin. And I think no matter where we have him, we're probably underselling him. There's an argument for him at number one, you know, and I don't think it's it's being had. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Like, even, even in the leagues where he is just – or we're in a weekly league where you have to choose between pitcher and hitter – He's still in that argument for like a top five pick. Um, and I, I, one of the reasons why I like drafting round seven, eight this year is because I know I'm going to get like one of my guys that I consider one of the elite options for the number one pick at pick seven or eight. And so uh, I've ended up with a lot of Otani already this year. I'm going to continue to end up with him. Uh, let's talk about JD Martinez because you know I think you and I both agree he he's not getting enough shine. He had the quote-unquote down season last year. It was down for him, but it was still a pretty good season. He's now going to be hitting in the middle of the Dodgers lineup against a lot of pitchers who have never seen him before. Where are you at on J.D. Martinez? Okay, bye, 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 bye. And it's the only hiccup for my Otani love is they quite literally might be like my one and two most undervalued player. Remember, of course, Otani, if you're number seven, you can't move up 100 picks. But I think J.D. Martinez is being wildly undervalued. Now, I don't think he'll get the outfield, but I've loved him at the UT if you can work it into your plan. 
if you already have Otani, you can't. I'm not sure why everyone is so down in him. So, like you said, so bad J.D. Martinez. So this is bad J.D. Martinez. 349 X Woba, 471 X Lug. Better than he was a 40-40 guy, fly ball and hard hit rate. So we love that, right? Putting it in the air, hitting the ball hard consistently. Raw metric, 95 miles an hour. That was the Savant metric. 49 total barrels with a four-year high barrel rate. And maybe more importantly for me is when I'm looking for like degradation, Justin, I'm kind of looking at it's it's not really a swing path metric, although I feel it's reverse engineering a swing path. When we talk about the combination of average launch angle with standard deviation of launch angle, his are elite 14 average sub 25 standard deviation of launch angle. Just to give you an idea, 28 is average for people that aren't familiar. And what this describes everyone is tightness. Think of it as launch angle tightness, which is why you need to combine it with average because you can have a very tight ray. But if it's into the ground, no one cares. The reason why J.D. Martinez is so effective is 14 is like barrel quality, but he has the tightest. In, I mean, it is among the top let's say 10 in the entire league, really, really elite. I mean, really elite, and it makes sense. But if you're able to replicate the ray of the spray, right, your ray spray, it shows consistency in your bat path. So the hard hit rate is there. The lift is there. I mean, every single thing you possibly want is there. I think the pull rate dropped a bit, but I'm fine with that because it's already baked into the price. I think J.D. Martin is still awesome. I think we might get, like, the best – some of the best of him. Remember, he's going – to where players get better, and it's not by accident. He's about to go into the, uh, you know, Hasakula now, if you're a Willy Wonka, right? No, it's Wonka Wash, go backwards. And he's going to come out shiny and new. This I, I, I'm telling you, man, especially with the protection of pure DH, I, I love, love, love J.D. Martinez, I think. These are all my, like, underdog teams, best ball teams. Like, that's where you smash him, I think, for sure. Love J.D.M. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like, I haven't gotten him very much because – there's Otani, right? I, if I end up with Otani, I can't draft any of these other guys that we're going to talk about. And so that that takes a percentage of my portfolio off of guys like J.D. Mitternius. And we're going to talk about a guy here towards the end who I like a lot going uh, really, really late. And so often, sometimes I'll skip J.D. Martinez uh, for, uh, for the uh, guy we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But I love him, and like this is a perfect landing spot for him. One, he's going to be hitting like fourth, fifth in this Dodger lineup, which is weaker than it used to be, but it's still really strong at the top. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to drive in runs. You look at like his ex home runs; he would have had 24 home runs uh, hitting in Dodger Stadium last year. Like there is no reason to think he can't. He, the, the bat is slower. It's undeniable. You watch last year; the bat is a little bit slower. Father time is catching up with him. But unless you think he's going to completely fall off, which I do not, like he's a bargain at the price right now. Like, and I mean, that's me too. Yeah. And I mean, uh, even a guy, even JD Martinez at 80% is still better than a lot of the guys going around where he's going or going in front so of him. Good. He, so good. I mean, and, and it's funny because he's kind of been, ca- I feel like people are capping him. And maybe, maybe that's where I'm hearing a lot of what we're, what we're saying, which is the guy's still really good on the line stuff. But I feel like, People are not talking about the fact that you could get 35 bombs. Like, you could get 205 combined runs and ribbies with 35 bombs hitting in the top third for the Dodgers. Yeah, later today I'm going to write my article on this year's Adolis Garcia. Uh, and the, the premise of that is a players 
whose value or the players whose value is depressed so much by the market hating them for some weird reason that they've become a value. You know, we saw this last year. Yeah, I mean, last year, Adolis Garcia was a guy that, for good reason, people were hating on. Absolutely awful plate skills. But he people hated on him so much, he became a massive value right. later in the draft, where it's like, well, if it doesn't pan out, it's he's easy to drop. Uh, and I don't think enough people, including myself, took advantage of that. And that I think, happened to Simeon, too, last year. Yeah, exactly. And G- he started Martinez. He was just too high. He was like a mid-second rounder. But then when they hit like the fifth round, it's like, whoa, okay, okay, okay. You know, you may not love it where it was the star, but right, you got to be malleable, yeah. Yeah, J.D. Martinez, Martin Perez, there's some guys this year that uh, I think the hate's going a little bit too far on, uh, you know. Oh, I hate Martin Perez, too. (laughs) Yeah, but now, like. I I don't know why. (laughs) Twitter told me to. Like, like, right, exactly. And right now, like, uh, my TGFBI league is at pick 380, and Martin Perez is still on the board. Like, at 380, who cares if he doesn't repeat? Like, you know, you just need an arm that throws innings at that point. Right. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on to the next guy. This is Shay, or no, uh, we're uh, we're at Bryce Harper, who's who clearly a first round pick when healthy. He's going to miss at least half the season. Where are you at on Bryce Harper? Are you drafting him at all? I, I apparently not, because he's just gone long before I'm ready to commit to that. I mean. So, yes, it's Bryce Harper. He's taking dry swings. They're still admitting he's months away. Yeah. And you're also always risking setback, slight setback, which could be it. And you're passing on what I, I – maybe I'm very cheap. So where he's going, those are still premium picks to me. I'm not he's, – I've seen him go up just way higher than I want. So I'm going to have to let other people have it. And if I lose to that, I just lose to that. You know, it's one of those. Listen, I mean, I understand, like, not everybody plays in NFBC, right? The majority of people don't play in NFBC. Um, and so they're used to having IL spots. The problem with having IL spots is you feel like it's a good idea to fill those IL spots quickly. Yeah, on opening day, uh, right? Yeah, right. And I don't want to do that because you're going to have issues throughout the season where a guy like Joe Musgrove drops a weight on his toe or a guy like Tyler Glass. Now, you know, this time it happened prior to your draft or like right after your draft. And now you can kind of account for it. But a week in the season, somebody is going to have a side issue. Somebody is going to, you know, stub their toe. Somebody is going to have Tommy John. Um, and you're going to need these IL spots for other guys. And very, unless you, you know, Tout Wars is a league where, you have unlimited IL spots in towers. I can totally see, or league like towers. I can yeah. totally see drafting Bryce Harper and just going, I'll wait. I'll just wait. Cause I get the replacement value. But if you've only got three IL spots, which I think is around the standard for like most ESPN. Yeah. That's why I have three. Yeah. Yeah. Those fill up really, really quickly. And then you're going to have to make decisions, especially if you have really bad early luck with injuries, which happens just randomly. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to make a really bad decision. You're either wasting a bench spot, which you don't have a lot of in these kind of leagues, or you're dropping Bryce Harper already, and now you've just completely wasted you know, this guy's draft value that you put money into. So Bryce Harper, outside of a league like Tout Wars, is not going to be on any of my teams. My standard leagues, my NFBC, like he's just – I don't know that you can wait that long. Then sometimes people feel forced to keep him – Drop players they should absolutely should not be dropping. Yep. In particular, 
you know, uh, it's funny to mention, I, I don't know why, you know, I was always an, a head-to-head player first. And I think the market coverage is always kind of roto because it's easier to standardize. But I'm a big head-to-head player. You know, I play some mm-hmm. high-stakes head-to-head stuff. Pitching, I mean, people will drop pitching to stash a guy that you don't know when you're going to get him. And, man, I'll tell you, you want a key to winning H2H is to pretend that your rotation needs are two people deeper than they are. You'll find, rather than streaming Trashola, you're, you know, I mean, it's not technically streaming. You're just using your own rotation at this point. But then you can't have those stash plays, right? They can't all work together. So I never stash those guys because while you're, like, waiting on a guy that's a guaranteed zero, I'm drafting it as if it's a starting pitching rotation spot. Because those two start um, weeks is how you win. Like, it's a definitive and disproportionate edge in schedule. So that's what you want to take advantage of, which I don't think I don't think people do enough of. Yeah, me, I hardly hold any bats in H2H. That's me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm playing in some head-to-head leagues this year. Got some listener leagues going on, and I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to uh, showing off some there head-to-head prowess. Yeah, there I can't wait. Let me, here, to the strict Roto people, because I, I know there are at least a few out there, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You don't have to change your game that much. And it adds the element of fun. I know people hate, oh, it can't be fun. Every Sunday night matters. Sunday, like, matters. Where you're watching Sunday night baseball in a roto, a lot of times you could care less. I know you're doing fab. We could care less about the game so much. Where this is matters. Like, that, you might be your hitter with first. Their closer in the ninth inning. You're waiting to see who gets a save, and it depends on the week, which could win the conference and get you in the playoffs. Like, yeah, there's an element to HOH that's thrilling that I don't, you know, people just kind of hand wave it away. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely, I'm excited to play uh, some head down. It's been, a, it's been a couple of years since, uh, or probably more than that now, probably five, six years since I've last played in a head to head league. So looking forward to dominating the regular season and getting knocked out of the first round of the playoffs, as I always do. <laughs> oh, playoffs are tough, man. Yeah. Oh. Uh, next guy on the list is Shea Langoliers. Now, he is going to be the catcher of the A's, uh, but he did not play enough games there in most leagues. Now, in Yahoo leagues, he's going to uh, probably still have catcher eligibility to start the year. Uh, to So he does not have catcher eligibility in FBC, I think in ESPN and some other leagues. Uh, are you drafting Shea Langoliers with the hope that you're going to slide him up into your catcher spot, you know, probably two weeks in the season? Well, if this is funny. This is what we were talking about before we hopped on. It's very hard for me to draft somebody like Shane Langoliers when I forget he's existing. You know, because yeah. I don't, I don't search by UT, and it's also very funny because I'm a oh man. I'm like a habitual catcher punter. Now I've learned my lesson from getting beaten up in the NFP streets that you need at least one really good one. I think in Fab Leaves, I think I can find the second one. I always have, you know, either through late drafting or through streaming, but. This is a guy that fits what I'm into because guess what? My catcher, too, has a pretty good shot to put up a zero anyway. You know, so get whatever Elias Diaz or whatever guy falls outside the top 30 that you maybe get a half split of some at-bats, you know, from. And I think Langoliers is going to be pretty good. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see the average we saw there in that spike where he spiked in AAA 283. But 19 homers and five steals, hard not to be into that. I've been actually going with the the other version, right, which is Christian Bethencourt, the other catcher that's mm-hmm. shown late that he can give you a little bit of that. I would be president of the Nick Fortes fan club if I knew he was getting the lion's share of the yeah. plate appearances. I worry they're going to go with Stallings for the defense. Yeah, and, they are. Yeah, but like Fortes maybe, you know, but it, you're really risking getting very little to nothing. 
But how long? It'll probably take him two weeks. So by week three, you'll have Langoliers as a starter. Not bad, depending on the price, of course. You know, he's got a pretty decent spread, I saw. I'm not going near the min at 187. But the max at 345, come on, man. Yeah. That's delicious. When he goes off the board, I'm always frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a guy that you should look at, especially in your two catcher leagues where you're you're punting that second catcher spot because you can still punt it, yeah. right? You can still sp- yeah. you know spend the, the last. <laughs> oh, pick. Are, they're still waiting for you, right? All my yeah. guys, I have they'll be right there waiting for you if you want them. <laughs> but I I hate having to just churn catchers all year long, and if you can just churn that for the first two weeks season until he gets the eligibility and throw Langoliers into your lineup. Uh, then he's a pretty good option. The other thing I want people to remember to do is if you don't end up with Langoliers, somebody else did, and they might have a third catcher that could be your second oh, sure. catcher very, very soon. And so keeping an eye on the, the people who do draft Shay Langoliers and also the, the person we're going to talk about next uh, with uh, Alvarez. Uh, keeping track of their lineup and when, because they're going to drop that. People don't want to hold on to three catchers all season. I'm in a league where a guy drafted one of the top five catchers, then Jonah Heim, and uh, and then Shea Langoliers. I'm like, okay, he's dropping either Shea Langoliers or Jonah Heim at some point, um, and I'm going to hope to swoop up. And so like, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I drafted Gary Sanchez as my second catcher. If he makes an opening day roster, he'll be there. If not, I'll, I'll drop him and pick someone else up. But I'm really waiting for him to drop either Shea Langoliers or Jonah Heim, because I'm sure that one of those guys is hitting the waiver wire at some point. Next guy on the list is Francisco Alvarez. He's another guy who's, hey, he's a catcher, but he's only UT eligible uh, in a lot of formats because he didn't play enough games at catcher in the majors. I've got a few more concerns about Alvarez. Where are you sitting with him? Well, it's the same thing, right? It's almost, if this were the same equation... As Langoliers, I'm even looking at the pricing. It's very similar, except Alvarez has an even lower min, 198, and a higher max at 450. So, I mean, of course, obviously I could cop out to the price argument, but he has hurdles that a guy like Langoliers does not. The Mets are going to compete right off the bat. And that's a lot to ask of a catching prospect who right now is the C3 by all accounts. To have to what so we're expecting him to jump. He has to jump two catchers, manager staff, and hit major league pitching. And if you took him at pick 200 at a premium, mind you. Now, granted, at, at, if you're the person who got him at 375, 400, 425, you probably have a catcher plan in place. And maybe if you're like someone like myself, I I'd rather go Langoliers than Alvarez. I don't know if Alvarez is gonna get there because yeah. if Again, they brought in Novias. He's a good catcher. He's meshed with those guys. Same for Nitto. If if we want we want certain teams, Justin, to play offensive catchers, and certain teams are not going to do that. That's not what they do. They have one spot where they sacrifice a bit of offense because it means enough to them for the whatever else you get with the way it works or riffs with the pitching staff. I don't see the Mets forcing this guy in, and they have like talent. Young guys at the wazoo right now. Every other home run video is met young superstar going absolutely nuts, right? It's, if it's not uh, Ronnie is going ballistic and Beatty's going ballistic, all these guys, I just I think he's I think he's blocked, and I think he's a next year guy and not a this year guy. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. The Mets have even said already, like, we want him to focus on catching. What does that tell me? They're not rolling with three catchers to start the year. They're sending his butt down to the minor leagues, which means it's going to be a lot longer before he ever even gets catcher eligibility, right? Imagine, like, let's say he's up at the end, end of April. You know, they decide, hey, he's getting the cover off the ball. He's learned enough. He's now still splitting time with two other catchers because they just re-signed Nito to a two-year contract. They're not just dropping Nito. Uh, how often is he actually getting in at catcher? Is he getting in enough to pick up those 10 games of eligibility before the end of May? So now you're holding on to a third catcher for the first two months of the season. That's disastrous for your flexibility on your team. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not drafting. You're right. He's a next year Scott. I'm going to be very interested in, in, oh, in next yeah. year. Oh yeah, I I, year, I can't nah. do it at the top of my head. His 600 plate appearance pace, which is something I've been trying to use in my rankings and stuff to standardize, is off the charts, man. I just yeah. I'm like I'm not good enough at that finger math, but man, it is just he is really raking. I don't know how these guys don't come up with a position. I guess he DH in the minors, which is probably a red flag also in a bit of a way. You're right. So I just I'm pumping the brakes on him. I'd much rather have Lego leaders for 2023. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, another guy who fits in this mold of a UT only guy who is going to be uh, uh, playing catcher is Mitch Garver. Now he's not a young guy, but because he was injured and missed so much time last year, he didn't play enough games at catcher to be eligible. Are you drafting Mitch Garver? Because he should get the eligibility pretty quickly in season. Oh, I'm so mad. It's another one. I want to be drafting Mitch Garver, and I'd never know where he is because I don't search UT again, which is shameful. Then I'm also drafting Jonah Heim, which is like, here, I'm just like, I'm going to listen to this guy's ranks as we know about UT position. But it's the truth. You know, we all have blind spots, and I think it's always helpful to admit them. You know, it's the best way to get better is to identify flaws. Yeah, as a guy that especially drops back on C2. Again, I don't want to make it sound like I don't I don't care about it. I think a guy like Jonah Heim is a perfect C2. You know, I think it's a great C2. I think he's being undersold. But if you're in a draft champions, draft and hold and the like, you really should be pairing him with Garver. We know that there were some skills there. Last year, just, again, I don't think it's enough to really overreact. And even then, you know, the lift is there. He doesn't chase at all. The plate approach is good. And we know it's a bit of a stick. So the price is right, and he's going to get it, like you said. I mean, I think projection systems, by all accounts, Justin, seem like they're going to basically split right down the middle. I, I want them to project more for Heim. And, in fact, personally, I think my PA projections for Jonah Heim are a touch higher. But even with that said, that puts Garver catching two to three times a week. He's going to have that eligibility by the beginning of May, and you're going to be glad that you drafted him. So I'm adding him – I don't even know what to do. You have to like queue him up early, you know, or add him to the queue immediately. That's my way in draft champions to get my prospects anyway. So I'm going to, I'm going to, that's how I'm going to attack it. But yeah, he's viable for sure. I think he's viable as well. Uh, especially if you feel like he can get that catcher eligibility earlier on in the season, you know, he, his main issue is staying healthy, right? Just staying on the field. He's entering the season healthy, but you look, I mean, he played, two-thirds of his games last year at DH. So he's going to be a catcher who DHs quite a bit. Um, and in spite of the fact that he hasn't had more than like 250 plate appearances in each of the last two seasons, if he were to stay healthy, uh, he's probably going to get 450 plate appearances this year, uh, which is pretty nice from a catcher. 
and that being said, if he does get hurt, which he usually does, he's an easy drop. Like he's not, it's not hard to just say, I'm getting rid of Mitch Garver. I've been a Mitch Garver hater for a long time, but now the price is too good to continue to hate. So I'm going to probably end up drafting him. I may end up actually even drafting him in TGFBI uh, because I don't have a second catcher yet and we're around 25. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to need a second catcher here and it's either a guy like Joey Bart or Mitch Garver. So uh, maybe Mitch Garver ends up on my TGFBI team. Uh, now we get to my man. The reason why I haven't ended up with J.D. Martinez anyways is because when I don't end up with Shea Otani, I end up with Nelson Cruz, who is signed a deal to be in San Diego. He is going extremely late. I think people have completely forgotten like that, hey, for about seven decades, he has finished as like a top 100 hitter in fantasy baseball. Uh, and last year was the first year he like kind of fell off and people finally doing those victory laps. You're like, I told you, I've been telling you for the last decade he was going to fall off. And he finally did. But he had an issue with his eyes. He got corrective surgery in the offseason. He's potentially going to be hitting in, you know, that amazing San Diego lineup. I love Nelson Cruz. Where are you at on him, Johnny? Yeah, I was I was late to it because I think I fell into that right. We I drew up the story maybe in my mind that he that he was one of the players that the mush ball kind of buried, right? That the heavy ball just put the death knell in a few of the older players, right? JD Martinez, and then you kind of dive in him somewhere. It wasn't so bad. And Nelson Cruz and the the eye thing, which I don't really like to chase a lot of these offseason stories. That one to me matters. <laughs> Seeing the baseball helps. And he's got, I mean, the track record and the price really make any kind of counter argument. And not to say silly, but if you think he's going to get plate appearances, then it almost doesn't matter. But there were some encouraging signs on there. I mean, it was still beating the ball up, man. 46% hard hit rate on Savant, better than a nine barrel, almost five blast. The pull power was just totally disappeared. And I think that was part, you know, I've been trying to push that to the fore. So that's why, objectively, he fell out of my purview, let's say. But now that I hear it, again, the price just is not going anywhere. I don't know. Is he is he like a 30-round guy for you? I don't know if I get him there. But drafting olds, I'd be into that totally. Totally. Because if, let's say he's Nelson Cruz, that's like the pick of the draft right there. It's a 30-home run bat, right? Good average. Good yeah. lineup. Not only is he a... 15 team 30 round draft guy for me. Uh, I was the first, and I'm double checking to see if I'm the only at this point, but I was the first person in the Rotowire Online Championship to draft Nelson Cruz, which is a 12 team 30 round draft. Uh, I took him in the last round of that uh, online championship. Only six, uh, only six uh, times has he been drafted. What was that? Um, I did mine on, let's see, Monday the 21st, I think it was. You know what's so, funny? This might right. be your fault. Um, Nelson Cruz has actually just made his way into the underdog dinger streets, right? So if people aren't familiar, underdog is like drafting fantasy baseball, but, you know, on crack, on a motorcycle, jumping out of a helicopter. And it's very tight in the player pool. There's no reliever. So like, and it's like OPS kind of point driven, very particular. There are a lot of players that don't qualify. 
as being that kind of player, right? You're playing for spike weeks. So when you think about all your fourth outfielder defensive guys, Miles Straw types, center field types, those guys are not viable. Dylan Carlson, Miles Straw, these guys are not underdog players. And I notice, so you notice when you play as much as I do, when new names pop up into the list. And Nelson Cruz is now uh, an underdog pick. So it's just funny. And I was kind of wondering, like, well, I wonder when that happened. And that we have we probably might have our answer. Might have been you. There's somebody because that's all it takes. Dude, that's yep. all it takes. That's all it takes. Has it's, he played yet, though? Has he played spring training uh, yet? Um, I believe he's I think he's the coach of one of the uh, WBC. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he probably is. Like, I mean, at this point, like, so. No, okay, uh, he has 16 ABs, 16 at-bats, yeah. three hits, a double and a homer, two ribbies, one walk, four Ks, the 188 average, a little not so great, but, you know, the homer is pulling up the OPS to 700. But he hit yeah. a run. He's he's a guy where if it works out, you just got, like yeah. I said, a top 100 yeah. potential player. And I'll tell you uh, what. Easy cut also. Super easy cut. Like it's Justin, if he easy. barrels the ball and it doesn't go out, I think you get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you'll know within the first two or three weeks of the season. I agree. Whether or not yeah. Nelson Cruz is worth rostering. Because right, his approach is so good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's finish out with uh, the last guy. That's Derek Hall, who is going to get potentially some playing time in Philadelphia. Uh because of the Bryce Harper injury. Any interest in Derek Hall, who had a pretty interesting like week last year? Yes. I, nothing I could do. That was my number one mention on the notes was, I have zero takes on any of these players because I didn't know that they existed because they're buried. I don't – Hall is exactly the kind of player I'm looking for in draft and holds. While I'm scrolling and looking, I'm just surprised he didn't have outfield – I. I Again, you know, when you watch as much as I do, you're surprised when you things slide by into your blind spots, but it happens. I thought he had the appearances, and he didn't, but this is like what I like to see, man. You know, he had a, he had a monster season last year, right? When you combine AAA with the bigs, I'm looking at 37 homers and six steals with a 250 batting average. I mean, guy's raking. Like, now he's plopped in the middle of – the Phillies lineup in the limited sample. I mean, some of the stuff again just jumps off the page. 340 Woba, 460 X slug, pretty good. Lifting the ball 46% of the time. 36 hard hit, fangrass, 45 savant, 17 barrel, nine blast. Those are excellent numbers. That's you know, dude, that's 30 plus home run power. The guy's only 27, hasn't really gotten a full shot. Now you tell me he's healthy with opportunity in a fantastic contextual surrounding. This pick is a broken spot. And it, it's it's purely based on the UT thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it, it completely is. I think people are overlooking him, one, because of the UT, and two, because uh, they're like, well, the Phillies lineup's too good for him to play. Well, without Bryce Harper there, they need a strong side platoon guy at DH. Not His to mention, ADP 680. Yeah, Reese Hoskins. That's ridiculous. Is, what yeah. is that? Reese Hoskins might need, you know, extra days off, especially early on in the season. And so, like, he could get first base eligibility fairly quickly if they're trying to protect oh Reese Hoskins. Coming this off is the version. code breaker right here. What a man. That was worth the cost of admission for everybody on that one, man. Yeah. And so, like, for me, like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally willing – to take the gamble on a guy like that in a draft and hold or an NL only type league where 
you just need guys who are going to play. I think he's going to play early on. If he loses that playing time because Bryce Harper comes back midseason, he's an easy drop. You don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Derek Hall is being completely slept on and ignored because of that UT eligibility. Yeah. And you know what? One more thing also, everyone, we're talking about progressing in NFPC because you get the ability to change your lineups again Monday and on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yep. When you get a lefty who's a masher, you find yourself with, you know, righty, righty, righty spots all the time. You know, this is like the G Man Choi principle where a guy like him, it's funny, he's so good against righties and so bad against lefties. It kind of brings down the season stats. But when you look at the pure splits, He's a guy I love, and this is the exact – but Derek Hall's a better hitter than G-Man Choi. So wherever Choi is going is where Hall – and it's funny, but I'm kind of emulating you again. How, how I would come to my ranking for him is I'm going to stick him one spot in front of G-Man Choi like right now. And you made an excellent point just that you shouldn't have to feel handcuffed to the UT because come like May or even June – remember, D.C., it's a long haul, mm-hmm. mar- you know, marathon on a sprint – you're getting one first piece, and that's incredible, man. That is yep. absolutely incredible. But he could be one of the st- – this whole, like – man, you actually just kind of unlock, like, this thing for me. Check UT. And I'm, I'm late to the party, but there's still time to take advantage. But, man, look at UT. I, I learned a lot just from that. Yeah, I think way too often people, especially in their deeper formats, go, well, I'm not going to draft a UT-only guy because I want the eligibility or the flexibility for my roster – and for me, the argument has always been, and you know, I've used this for guys like JD Martinez and guys like Nelson Cruz in the past, where you go, if they had an eligibility, would they be a top five or six round pick? And if that's the answer, like, hey, why are you giving up on talent? And I think you can use that argument down the draft board, right? Like, hey, like if I, if if he was a third baseman or a first baseman. Would I be drafting this guy inside of my top, you know, 20 rounds? And if the answer is yes, he should probably be on your team and you figure out the eligibility with other players. Yeah, that's a great point. I was looking to see if JD paid any outfield at all last year. Did he just strictly DH? No, he didn't play. I don't think so. Nope. Yeah, not a single game. So, and and the the Dodgers have said he is going to be a full time DH. Like the Dodgers, they're not going to be playing him in the outfield. You know, when you, gosh, when I see like the best analytically driven, you know, factory licking their lips talking about stuff like that, dude, I think it's real up for Martinez for real. I do too. Uh, and John, you take the first week, if he goes, if he looks nuclear, that's one of those ones where you don't need to wait. You just going, oh man, everyone that missed is just like, oh, I missed it. You missed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think people are going to be regretting not taking some of these UT only guys uh, in their drafts. I leave my draft with at least one every every draft. You know, sometimes a lot of times it's Otani, but a lot you know all the the other times it's going to be a Shay Langoliers or a Nelson Cruz or a JD Martinez. Those are my kind of top four guys that I'm looking at. But the Mitch Garvers of the world, they make sense. Like, just yep. don't pigeonhole yourself, especially if you think. These guys can get an eligibility in season. Yeah, Gosh, exactly. That's a. I mean, dude, come on. We we're making a living off of getting catchers in our lineups that get plate appearances at other positions. I mean, that's how you do it. One of the big lessons you get is that the two catcher leagues. You mentioned the four fifty. That's that magic number. Anything above it is separation from the field. When a lot of times people like myself in April are chasing that second spot. Elias Diaz, who stunk, you know, and, and you get stuck with these guys sometimes. 
Well, I mean, who led the majors for catchers in plate appearances last year? Man, I, I don't know off the top of my head. It's Did Sean it Murphy. Him? It was Sean oh, Murphy. Really? Yeah. And he had 619 plate appearances. So he's no longer there. Shay Langoliers like wow. could potentially be a guy. I mean, look how bad, bad that they're I could bad. play in Oakland. I might go yeah, try bad. out. Like, I mean, Oakland's only like a 60 minute drive for me. Like, I I, I could be their DH, uh, you know, <laughs> come opening day. So, like, Langoliers could easily rack up like an insane amount of plate appearances be- between the DH and the catcher spot. Uh, not something you should be sleeping on in your leagues. Yeah. I, I was toying with the idea of like writing an article about the 99th percentile for this Oakland team. Right. So, like a story Ruiz just hit a bomb the other day, right? So he's incredible, right? So he's incredible. Homer, Homer's plus speed. He's he's a 25-70 guy all of a sudden that you put in the front of the lineup. And it's like, you know, that obviously would make a big right, would make a big difference. Loreano looking to play his way out of Oakland. We come, he comes back to the 285, 25-25. But now that he's been behind a guy that's on right, he hits a single. Right. If you're a story Ruiz, you basically hit a single on second. So every time he's got that guy in front of him. If you get that on OBP, then like yeah, I don't know. I like I said it, it really feels like 99 percentile because it's Brown, and then it just feels like such a reach after that. I personally like Seth Brown because I think where he's going to get some speed mm-hmm. in the corners with the eligibility for draft champions is a, is a lovely pick. So I actually like Seth Brown. I think he's good, but after that, it's God, it's a it's a real stretch. I mean, they're putting a lot, a lot on Jace Peterson's plate. There's another person I have to admit I've drafted because he is absolutely buried. He's absolutely buried on these draft boards and the projections are incorrect because Mm -hmm. they don't have a third baseman. He is the everyday third baseman. He's being projected for 400 plate appearances. They just paid him. That that's wrong, right? You know what I mean? I, I hate to like IKB stuff. That's the, uh, you know, Leviton thing. I know better, but they gave him $5 million a year. That's a lot for this team. They signed him for two years to play third base. He's good there. Jace Peterson's in line for 650 plate appearances. And even if you took the projections there, he's another guy in value. So, like, I'm just to tell you, I've been toying with Oakland, maybe over the win total, like that kind of thing. But more oh realistically, is it terrible? Yeah, no, I think I'm. I I, I hit the uh, the under on their win total last year. No way! Oh, last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I'm probably gonna hit that under again. Like I just. Do you I, know what it is? Oh, it's got to be laughable. It's, it's gotta be I'm laughable. sure it is, but it's not sixty. I don't know. I I should probably. I bet, should I, I bet you it's like. I bet you it's like seventy. No, they they're a hundred. You don't think they're a hundred loss team? I think they are, but oh, I think <laughs> I think Vegas, Vegas is. Has a hard time wanting to give some give a team a hundred lives team. Oh, that's crazy. I'm not sure. I'm I'm trying to get to it, but like bet, bet, you know, chasing betting stuff's another story. Uh we'll definitely have to have you back on. Um okay, so 68 and a half is the overall. Oh, okay. Oh, so look, you were right on the money. So, oh man, yeah, under. Under. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the under on 68 and a half. Yeah, what about even if like the Oh, what's his name? The the import who looked really good in the little bit that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, um. Oh my gosh, it slipped my it slipped my name. But anyway, like if he's if he's viable, then they would need Caprillion to be like good again. Maybe you think we got like I, you know it's funny people have been wholly ignoring the way the last year opened up. Remember all the no hitters and Paul Blackburn being a thing because Martin Perez being a thing. 
because the ball and the see again this would be another episode Justin. okay I, the, I, the, I, a, the a's <laughs> over under apparently move a lot right. if 59 and a half is what oh, that's right. Okay, that's what now, I'm talking about. now I'm ta- Now I think I yeah. might take the over on that. That is insanely low. Like, wow. Yikes. I think we probably do lose 100 games, but I don't know how you can take the under on, on, on 59 and a half. Yeah, man, that is that is brutal. That's insanity. Wow. I'll tell you what, uh, you know what the key is there? If you, again, this is betting stuff, but if you were, rather than go over the Oakland win total, I believe if the way these odds are going to shake out because people hate the A's. If you took a set amount and bet the A's every single game blind, you'd probably make money at the end of the year. Because yeah. every win is at plus – dude, remember, every win of theirs is like plus 285, plus 315, plus 325. So every win covers three or four wins, and that's not four to one, right? You know what I'm saying? If you go mm-hmm. – they're only going to go – even if they lose 100 games, right, you're 62 and 100. But the payoffs are three to one on those 60 wins. But who can bring themselves to bet on Oakland? It, it's, I can't. Oh, dude, it's just, it's I'm a professional so handicapper and derivatives trader with literally years and six figures of losses and scars on my belly and belt. And it, it's so impossible. <laughs> it's so yeah, hard. No, no way I could do that. That's, it's very I mean, hard. I think, I think what you make in profit from that, you're giving back in therapy bills and blood pressure medication. It's, nuts, oh, it's rough. Mm-hmm. No way. Um, it is rough. We'll but definitely have to have you back on the podcast at some point you, to talk awesome. betting uh, because I definitely want to get some insight on how you bet in in MLB. But remind everybody where you can be reached on social media and then plug everything you got going on. Man, that was just the best thing ever, Justin. Thank you so much, man. At John Legaza, J-O-H-N-L-E-G-H-E-Z-Z-A. Again, at this point, if you listen this far in, I'm not going to have to sell you on any further. Hopefully the rankings reflect my personality. So just dig it, 9.99 one time. You follow me up on Twitter and at The Athletic. And, you know, we're just bringing it hard right now. You know, we're going to be – we're bringing a 24 seven man, one fifteen off the crack of the bat pretty much every single day until the game starts. So it's the most wonderful time of the year. Thank you for having me, man. Looking forward to it. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Definitely go follow John on Twitter uh, and uh, follow all his work. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason F W F B. Um, I got stuff going on. You can, yeah, you, <laughs> you, you know where it's at, right in the fan, fan Sanity Pro podcasts everywhere. Um, we got our Patreon, which has got, I think, two full listener leagues, a dynasty and a head-to-head oh, category. Man. And we're talking about starting a vampire league for those. Who I was listening. Yeah, so uh, the, was getting, we're getting a little bit of interest. That one will be free. So if you're in the Patreon or in the Discord channel, uh, I think we're just going to let that one be free. And um, I'm debating whether I should be the vampire, just so I can. Some, someone said, like, hey, if you were Paul the Vampire – then you have to use the Dracula accent when talking about it. Um, <laughs> How do they generally determine that? That's the only thing I didn't know. I think it's either you, either random or or someone just said you okay. know someone just is the vampire. Yeah, you should. Sure, sure, you're the host. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I, I, I want the, I want the chance to try to take down everybody without that sounds like fun, drafting man. a player. Yeah, so uh, definitely jump in the uh, the Patreon and the Discord uh, for John and myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.